Football is back, and right now Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. We've got wall-to-wall Premier League football with games being played nearly every day. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only. Please gamble responsibly. Hello and welcome to Straight Outta Cobham, the Chelsea FC podcast from The Athletic. Each week we bring you the very best Chelsea coverage, courtesy of The Athletic's Blues Brains. On this show we're reflecting on Tuesday night's narrow but vital win against Norwich, which leaves the Blues in control of their own fate as they search for a Champions League place. We'll also look ahead to the FA Cup semi-final and answer your questions, all to come in this episode of Straight Outta Cobham. Yes, hello listener, Matt Davis-Adams at the wheel again for another journey down Chelsea Boulevard. What? It's early in the morning as we record, you might have to bear with me. Luckily, I've got the Athletics men in the know on all things blue with me. Hello Dominic Fifield. Good morning, how are you? Very well, thank you. How are you Liam Toomey? I'm okay, still getting over the experience of watching last night. Um, Simon Johnson, how are you? Wonderful. Good, alright, let's get straight to it. Olivier Giroud's goal just before half-time, enough to give Chelsea the W against already relegated Norwich in a game that can generously be described as forgettable. Uh, we'll answer listener questions in a moment, but but first of all, overall impressions of the performance. Liam, you were there, so we'll, we'll start with you. Um, also, tell us about the piece you've written on the game for The Athletic this morning and what you learned. Yeah, so I was sent to Stamford Bridge last night with a very detailed or simple brief, which was just to listen to what the players were shouting at each other um, after Lampard made such a big play in his press conference about Chelsea needing to be more vocal on the pitch to show more obvious leadership. I thought it would be interesting to see what those interactions were like and and whether there would be any sort of reaction. And the answer was there wasn't really any sort of reaction. I, I've watched Chelsea a few times now in these behind closed doors games where you can hear an awful lot of what's being said and there isn't a lot being said on the Chelsea side. Kepper is by a mile the most vocal figure in the team, even kind of shouting at players at the forwards, at the midfielders about where to press and where to pass, which is not something you usually hear from a goalkeeper. But aside from that, there really isn't much going on. There's, you know, Cesar Azpilicueta occasionally claps his hands and Jorginho occasionally points at someone, but that's about it. And so that was the gist of the piece I wrote, really, which was that Lampard isn't going to get the the type of leadership that he wants from this group of players. Antonio Conte talked about, you know, the creeping dearth of leadership when they lost John Terry, they lost Branislav Ivanovic and... And, and others, and then Maurizio Sarri would always talk about this this group of players' mentality and how it was a problem whenever they lost. Um, and I just don't think it's going to change unless 
or until Chelsea get an opportunity to address it in the transfer market. So they're going to have to lean on the other things that they, they are able to do well between now and the end of the season and hope it gets them over the line in the top four race. Right, we asked um, for your thoughts and questions on the match. Some really good ones have come in, so we'll, we'll get into them now. You can tweet me at Matt Davis Adams at your leisure whenever a Chelsea thought you'd like the chap's opinions on pops into your head. Um, Simon, I'll put this one to you. It's from that Chelsea pod. They ask, the Norwich game was dull to watch and Chelsea weren't great. Is it a positive then that they actually won the game playing poorly, given that's not been the case when they played poorly on other occasions this season? I think the the main positive is the three points. At this stage of the season, it really doesn't matter. Chelsea fans should remember the amount of dull 1-0 wins, certainly in the Jose Mourinho era, um, that secured titles. That's all that matters um, at this juncture, particularly after the Sheffield United result and performance, which was pretty poor. And look, you know, it's easy to... Look at that Norwich game and think it was it was a total washout. Tim Krul did make quite a few good saves. Giroud sort of mishit a few chances before he took the one he he did to settle the game. So it, it could have been three or four on another day. I, I I don't think it's it's too much to get concerned about. It was just all about building that four point lead over United and Leicester and just restoring a little bit of confidence. Um, ahead of the FA Cup semi-final, and particularly defensively. I know Norwich didn't really sort of lay a glove on Chelsea, didn't even really try to, but psychologically to keep a clean sheet, a, a real rarity um, with Chelsea these days, uh, it, it will just help Chelsea, I think, going forward in, in the games to come. Uh, here's a question from Brantley Pollock. Congratulations, Brantley, on what is a fantastic name. Dom, I'll put it to you. Do you think Frank could have started some of these games against weaker sides with two up top? 3-5-2, maybe. Feels like we could threaten the goal more with two proper centre-forwards attacking crosses against deep, compact defences. It's it's not something that we've seen hardly at all this season. Would it have been worth considering against Norwich? I think the only problem with that is it, it probably negates Pulisic, who's their best player at present. Um, maybe even William, who has been, who has has played well since the restart. I mean, there's no in a in a three five two. You're reliant upon your your wing backs to to provide all the the width. And I, I, I don't think Frank Lampard would have been bold enough to play William and Pulisic as his wing backs um, in any Premier League fixture. So I can see I see the logic in getting more bodies into the box and and more more targets up there, but. But Chelsea did create twenty-two chances, I think it was last night. So, you know, it's it was it was probably more uh, the, the the reality that, that Olivier Giroud, although he took one and has done fantastically well since in the last few weeks, and has helped sustain this this challenge. I mean, he he, he did arguably have a, an, an off night almost in front of gold. Um, to be honest, I think he had eight or nine shots himself. Uh, but look, if you're going to have a performance like that. Um, against anybody in the division you want to have it against Norwich because as Simon says they're so powder puff up front they've got nothing they offer absolutely nothing so Chelsea were unlikely to be punished by them in in the way that they were by say West Ham and Bournemouth at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season I mean dearie me that 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 Norwich team is uh, I know they were relegated the other day so they've got nothing to play for but but even pride went out the window really it wasn't they, they offer nothing going forward yeah, and that actually leads us on uh, in a very 
sort of roundabout way to our next question, which comes from, from Andrew Termer. Do any of the panel think there's a shortage of expertise in Frank's small group of staff? We all know buying a centre-back won't fix our defence when there are systemic tactical issues with the way we're set up. Frank desperately needs a Steve Holland figure. So the defence not really tested on Tuesday, but they certainly were against Sheffield United. And what do you think, Liam? Is there any any credence to this idea that they could do with a, a more senior coach amongst the staff? Well, it's fair to say that this is a pretty young coaching team and that their pedigree predominantly rests on academy football, really, with Jody Morris and Joe Edwards and Lampard himself only has one year as a senior coach. So it's easy to see why you would make that point. I think the the bigger issue from Chelsea's perspective is a philosophical one in that Lampard is committed to playing high-risk, high-reward possession football where they get a lot of people ahead of the ball which means if they give it away they are often exposed in transition and then it becomes about how well their defenders can defend as individuals even when they're kind of scrambling to to rectify a situation that's going badly wrong and I think for that in order to play this way and and make it work at the highest level they need really top defenders because they are going to give the ball away occasionally in bad areas and you need your defenders to be able to bail you out in those situations. You also need a goalkeeper who is capable of bailing you out if all else fails. At the moment, I'm not sure Lampard thinks he has either of those things. So I I think that's, that's the bigger issue in terms of making Lampard's style work. Whether you think that Lampard's um, philosophical style is the best approach for winning football matches at Chelsea is is a completely different discussion. But in terms of the direction they're going in, I don't think a new coach will be on Lampard's agenda. It will be new personnel to to execute his system. Simon, you've um, been been writing about potential new personnel coming in. Have you heard anything from within the club about extra staff or, or, or is this just something that's not really on the radar? I don't think it's something that's on the radar. Um, Frank has his uh, trusted inner circle um, and, and that's pretty much the way he wants to keep it. Um, and understandably so, you know, it's it's his uh, it's his right to pick who he trusts and who he thinks can deliver and he knows these guys really well. We actually wrote a piece um, earlier in the season about how the, um, the coaching, the backroom staff work together and they have a very, very tight bond. Um, and he would certainly think that they're doing a pretty good job under the circumstances. So, no, I wouldn't expect a new coach to be one of the additions in the summer. Dom, do you think they're doing enough work on defence? Are you putting the blame on, on the goal kind of goals that we saw conceded at Sheffield United? Is, is that purely sort of on the players, as, as seems to have been intimated, rather than on the coaching staff? To be honest, I doubt they're doing much work at the moment at all in between games because there simply isn't the time to do it. Uh, I think this is something that will have to be addressed over a pre-season and we, we don't even know how long the, the pre-season is going to be ahead of the next campaign. So it's it's difficult. It's difficult for all coaches at the moment. They, they've made the point that they, they don't have very much time on the training ground between games and Chelsea's logjam of, of fixtures is arguably worse than everyone else's at the moment because... They've got cup, the FA Cup tie. They've got more Premier League matches, and then <laughs> technically go into the away leg in uh, 
in in Bayern Munich um, as well. So that I just don't see how they can this type of thing going back to basics and almost stripping back your your approach to generate some solidity at the back because that that infiltrates up and down the team. That's that's midfield as well and the, their contribution. It's the the forward players defending set plays. Um, all, all that comes into it. And at, at the moment, they'll they'll only have time to really scratch the surface on all that. They, they 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 can't they can't get deeper into that situation because because these players are even in a, with a squad this size, these players will be tired. Um, they they have the recovery plans, um, limited training opportunities for Lampard to work on it all. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, just on defence, by the way, a, a somewhat surprising stat that the BBC included in their match report. Chelsea stopped their opponents from mustering a single first half shot for the fourth time in the Premier League this season, more than any other side. Um, that one caught me unawares. A couple more points on Norwich before we move on. Uh, here's one from Daniel Kay. Should we start to be worried about Loftus-Cheek? Granted, he needs time and has had a bad injury, but he doesn't even seem to be showing flashes of his old self. No driving runs through the midfield. No deft touches in the final third. Seems to be coasting a bit. Uh, Liam, this is something that uh, Clive Walker and I picked up on in commentary, actually, that, that even for a player who's been injured for a long time, he just doesn't look anywhere near what he was before. Was that something you picked up on in the stadium? I think it was pretty clear watching the game um, that he was playing within himself, that he was trying to feel his way back. Um, but equally, I don't think it's entirely fair to say we've seen no flashes of Loftus-Cheek um, or pre-injury Loftus-Cheek in the last couple of weeks because we saw that assist against Crystal Palace where he, he literally got the ball, drove through the middle and applied a deft touch in the final third um, for, for to set up Tammy <laughs> Abraham's goal. So he is still capable of doing that. I think it was harder for him to do it against Norwich because for, for everything else that Norwich didn't do well, they did compress the space well and, and, and frustrate Chelsea in a low block. And when you're facing a team like that, you can't really run through the middle because you're just you're just running into traffic. Um, I think there will be opportunities for Loftus Cheek to to show those qualities a little bit more when games open up a, a little bit more. But realistically, we're only going to know next season. The remaining games of this year have to be about making him feel like a, a footballer again and getting him into some sort of rhythm so that with a compressed off-season and then fairly limited pre-season, he can come in and, and, and really hit the ground running next year. Harry's sponsors straight out of Cobham. As a listener of this podcast, you can start shaving with Harry's today by claiming your trial set for £3.95. Support our podcast and get your set delivered to you, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, foaming shave gel and a travel blade cover by going to harrys.com slash Cobham right now. That's harrys.com slash Cobham. I've been using my Harry's razor during lockdown and I can assure you that it is the smoothest, most comfortable shave that you can find harrys.com forward slash Cobham Matt from Peckham and that's me how many points do we think Chelsea will need from their final two Premier League games in order to guarantee Champions League football next season I am asking this before Leicester and Manchester United play but Simon it, Chelsea have got it in their own hands what do you think a draw and a win would be good enough to to seal top four? Oh, I think Frank would uh We'd take that right now and walk off into the sunset. Mathematically, that is exactly what they need, by the way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Because uh, the other two play each other. Yes, of course, it's Leicester Man United on the last day, isn't it? So, 
I mean, you really, I guess, then you want to you want to beat Liverpool, and then Wolves doesn't become such a thing on the on the <laughs> um, on the last day. But that is one thing to say, and another thing to do it. So maybe, therefore, the question becomes: Don't lose against Liverpool, and then you definitely keep it in your own hands. Yeah, I mean, I, it's almost like Frank should go back and um, watch a video from 2014 and that, and that game where, where Chelsea were the party poopers on that occasion and, and Mourinho set them up very, very defensively. Um, I, I don't think Chelsea fans would mind if, if if Chelsea go to Liverpool with a very defensive mindset. In saying that, you know, much could depend on, on, on the games before then, you know, involving the teams around them. Um you know, if the, if the teams around them have won their matches, then then Chelsea may have to change their approach. So, effectively, we won't know. How, Frank won't know sort of how to play it um, until the next few days are played out, because um, that could very much um, affect his thinking. If uh, if the if the other teams slip up, then of course he can definitely go defensive. But if they start winning, the pressure will be on them to win too. Because look, look at Wolves. I mean, if they, they know that if they win their last three matches, they'll finish above Chelsea if Chelsea don't pick up um, a, a win at Anfield. So um, with the goal difference, etc. So look, a lot a lot will depend on their rivals as much as Chelsea themselves. But look, if Chelsea can get a uh, point at Anfield, they'd be absolutely delighted. Dom, could you could you make a case to say that although these fixtures do look quite daunting, Liverpool and Wolves, actually they're not the worst fixtures to to have left because Liverpool, as we know, have already won the league, and Wolves, you're going to be affecting the um, the points total of a of a rival. So so you can make a case to say that actually it's better to be playing Liverpool and Wolves than say I don't know Bournemouth and Watford, who are absolutely desperate for the points. That's what an optimist might do, I guess. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I sort of I look at that Chelsea defence, and I'm, I'm not going to get hoodwinked by what by what happened last night. If the defence plays as poorly as they did against Sheffield United and and against Crystal Palace, then they will struggle to get wins in those last two games, um, or the four points that they require mathematically to to qualify in the top four. Um, they, and, I, and I don't think this Chelsea team I'd be happy if they proved me wrong but I don't think this Chelsea team is capable of going to Anfield and doing what Jose Mourinho's team did in 2014 uh, I don't think they've got the discipline I don't think they've got the con- the powers of concentration to be honest and and probably also goes back to, to Liam's original point about leadership and how you need vocal players to, to maintain that discipline out on a pitch uh, and I, I don't think they've, I don't think they've got that either. So they should be they should be looking at their strengths um, and how they can hurt hurt these opponents. And and they there is an opportunity there. I mean, you know, when when you've got a player as as, as good as Christian Pulisic um, and and as well he's playing at the moment in your team, then then you've got a real good really good chance um, of 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 wounding uh, whoever you come up against and. You know, if if they can get performances out of Willian, if they can get performances out of Kovacic like last night, um, then then that that is where the the source of of hope and optimism should lie, not not in not in their opponents dropping off. Because let's be honest, I mean Liverpool are getting the Premier League trophy, and they would love to put one over Chelsea. That we we you know, that's just that is just how they are when it when in meetings between Chelsea and Liverpool and and Wolves will potentially come to Stamford Bridge on the final afternoon 
you know, with thinking that they've got their destiny in their own hands potentially as well. So, so Chelsea need to concentrate on what they're good at and and make sure that they that they use that. Well, Chelsea can switch their attention away from the top four fight this weekend. They've got an FA Cup semi final to prepare for. We'll look ahead to that next. So Chelsea's nearly annual date at Wembley set for six o'clock on Sunday evening as the Blues take on Manchester United in the FA Cup semi-final. United have beaten Chelsea three times already this season. Simon, is there anything specifically from those games you can pick out that that can be improved upon? Uh, Defence. (laughs) (laughs) Common theme in in most of our pods. Um, Yeah, I mean, Chelsea defended um, pretty poorly in, in, in all of those games. The worry is as well is there's nothing Frank can do about the physical difference between the two sides. When when I looked out onto the pitch in those matches, United just looked bigger and stronger in, in terms of personnel, and there's nothing that that Frank can do about that. And until he can go into the transfer market and perhaps buy some some bigger players, he'll take encouragement if he looks back at the, the particularly the the old Trafford performance. I know that ended in a 4-0 defeat, but the way they played going forward, this team can be got at, and and Southampton showed that, Bournemouth showed that, although they lost heavily. Um, They are vulnerable um, if if you get at them. The worry is, of course, um, how well Bruno Fernandes is playing and that front three of Martial, Greenwood and Rashford. It's going to be a really, really difficult game. A lot... I'm sure we'll we'll rest on Engolo Kante being fit. I think that's very important that he's in the side to to help with the pace of that of that attack. I, I fear for Chelsea if he's not on the pitch. Dom, you spoke earlier about the the fact that there's not really time for uh, managers and squads to do anything other than recover between these games, rather than do any detailed tactic tactical work. Does that mean that Chelsea have a, a significant advantage in having played 48 hours earlier than United in the in the league this week? I would argue so. Yeah, I mean definitely. I, I, I know I know Spurs rather butt that trend in the North London derby, although having watched the game quite detailed. Way, I, 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 you know, they, they, they just relied on Arsenal to make all the mistakes for them. To be honest, um, so that, yeah, this will be a very different occasion. But yeah, forty-eight hours at this stage of the season, in this congested fixture pileup, is is a is a big advantage. Not so much in the sort of tactical preparation, I don't think, but but just in sheer recovery time and allowing your bodies to to be fresh enough to to, to go out there and, and and play another ninety minutes. I mean, look, United. And I say this with a vested interest. United haven't got a particularly daunting fixture on Thursday night, <laughs> um, but it is a game they have to win. Um, so I mean, they, they can't afford to let that up. It's not as if they they can just ignore the league and concentrate on the FA Cup. They ha- they have to go out there and win it. So I suspect that we'll see a very similar team playing in in the Thursday game as well as the the Sunday fixture. Um, and there will inevitably be an element of fatigue in there. Um, so, so yes, definitely, forty-eight hours is a is a is a big advantage to Chelsea, and it, and it's forty-eight hours that hopefully N'Golo Conte can can use to to get ready and 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 be ready to to play the influential role that we know he can play in this Chelsea team. Uh, Liam, Simon and, and Dom have mentioned N'Golo Conte and his, and his potential return to fitness. What about other team selection matters for Lampard? Can you see any any squad rotation with Liverpool in mind or will he pick his strongest eleven? 
I think that's a very dangerous game. I mean, we've seen this before and there are certain people making the argument that Lampard should maybe rest the FA Cup semi to make sure that he gets the result he needs in the Liverpool game. But what if you lose both? <laughs> uh, then you're in real, real trouble as a, as a manager and, and the, the criticism rests squarely on your shoulders. So I think that's not in Lampard's um, DNA anyway as a competitor. I think he will be inclined to field what he believes is the strongest possible team to try and win both matches. Now, there may be some variation in that, but I, I think that will depend less on fatigue and more on Lampard's assessment on what Chelsea need tactically in each game. And and if if he can only use Kante for one, maybe he'll make, as Simon said, you know, the speed of United's attack in transition rather than a Liverpool side who we don't really know how seriously they'll be taking that game. Um, so it, it, it's going to be a tricky one for him to navigate. It always is at this time of the season, but I can't see Lampard going anything less than, than full bore in, in both games. I, I just wonder whether one area that he might look to, to change is, is in goal. And I don't, I don't say that because this will be Kepa's first return to Wembley since he refused to come off the pitch um, in, <laughs> in the League Cup last season. But, but he's, he, Kepa played against Liverpool in the, what would that be, in the fifth round? Um, and then Caballero against Leicester in the in the quarter final. There clearly is a bit of chopping and changing there, and I, and I don't, I genuinely don't know what message that would send out to whether it would be too disruptive to the defense, a defense that is already creaking, um, to change the goalkeeper at the back. But I mean, I, I do wonder whether Caballero might might get a look in in, in for this fixture on Sunday, and and. Uh, yeah, just just if anything else, just to just to show that he's still got a role to play at the club. Yeah, it would have been uh, useful if Keffer had been able to make a few saves against Norwich to to get his confidence up a bit, but they didn't have as much as a shot on target. Well, we will of course react to the FA Cup semi final in next week's show when we'll also look ahead to those final two Premier League games of the season at Liverpool and at home to Wolves. That's just about it for this week, though. Before we say goodbye, let's hear what the chaps have been writing about this week. Uh, Liam, we've heard about your piece on the game last night already. Simon, what's on your agenda, and what can people read from you on the site at the moment? Well, there's a couple of pieces uh, up on the site. One's about, um, which has already caused a little bit of um, a ripple, let's <laughs> just say, uh, judging by the response of the readers. Um a piece about Antonio Rudiger and, and his future and sort of delving into his form a little bit. Um, and then there's also a read about what it's like to be subbed at half-time. Um, Mason Mount suffered it a couple of times in the last few weeks, didn't even get on uh, against Norwich. Um, but we spoke to a few players from the past, like Sir Sean Derry, uh, Dom's favourite player, um, about what it's like um, to be subbed at half time, and as for as for a piece that that um, that uh, will be up on the site, I think by the time this pods out, um, I, I'm actually delving into the very thing we've just talked about—the debate of what Frank should do in terms of the team he picks Sunday and the team he picks Wednesday. Dom, you mentioned uh, in passing your piece on the North London Derby. You've also been talking to Andy Lonergan, one of the kind of behind-the-scenes figures of Liverpool's title triumph. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's a there's a possibility that he might be on the bench next Wednesday night against uh, against Chelsea. It might that, that that is 
feasible. His fourth choice. He's a championship goalkeeper. He's played his entire career pretty much in the championship. But he's he went to Liverpool last summer. He was released by by Middlesbrough and ended up getting a, the fourth choice gig at, at Liverpool. And you know, a player that his last competitive game was on loan at Rochdale in March 2019. Is, is walking away this season from with the UEFA Super Cup. FIFA World Club Cup and uh, Premier League title winners medals, which is uh, which is amazing, an amazing story in itself. But I have to say, what a lovely bloke he is. Uh, he comes across very, very well, and thoroughly in, enjoyed interviewing him. And uh, he deserves all the the, the the plaudits that he's he's been getting for the work he's been putting in in training at Liverpool to keep players on their toes. But yes, so that, that was that's up and the North London derby, which in complete contrast was I don't know I, I just I. 7th versus 8th or 8th versus ninth, or I think it was 8th versus 10th when it started off it's, it shouldn't be that fixture should not be like that um, and it's a, a real indication of how far those two clubs have slipped off the pace in recent seasons 18 months in Spurs case that that, that, that game has effectively become a mid-table squabble for a Europa League place there you go, Chelsea supporters. You probably thought I'm not that interested in reading that piece, but it sounds like it might be one that you can enjoy uh, after all. And my thanks to the chaps for their contributions this week. And thanks to you for listening, of course. What say we do it all again next week? Until then, it's bye for now.